Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Real Life Real Crime Daily for Monday, November 6th. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Happy Monday, Fellers. Monday, Monday, best week ever starts now. That's right. Right? That's right. We don't know what the happened in the LSU game because we're actually pre-recording this. But go Tigers anyway. Yeah. Gotta, Hopefully we're smiling today. Right? Do you know what tomorrow is? Tuesday. <laughs> no, but I know what November, Correct answer. November 9th is. My oldest daughter's 25th birthday. Oh, wow. You know what's... birthday to her. What's... Kind of coincidental about that? What? Tomorrow is my 25th wedding anniversary. Really? To Miss Jerry? To- <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Holy wife. shit, she must 20, get. We need to give her an award. 25 years. That's the silver anniversary. Is it? You know? Yeah, silver. So, yeah. all right. I think my wife is hoping. And that's, for, uh, hoping I'm going to do better than silver. For the twenty five, yeah, and you know what's she coinc- may be somewhat disappointed. You know, it's coincidental about that. What's that? On November fourteenth is my twenty fifth wedding anniversary. Really? Wow! Yeah, nineteen ninety eight, something in the nineteen ninety eight. Holy, that's nice. November fourteenth, a week apart. I'm here hanging out with two OG. Did you get married here? Did you get married here locally? Yeah, mm-hmm. in actually at Immaculate Conception Church right here in Denham. Where'd you get married? In Jackson, Mississippi. Really? My wife drove through there yesterday. Fast. I hope you didn't stop. Right? Yeah, and in rush hour, surprisingly, that's the least amount of traffic I've ever had there. Well, about ha- half the cars on the road are occupied by escaped prisoners <laughs> there, so you have to, you know, and you know, you can't drink the water not because there's urine in it, but because there's apparently other contaminants. So, so are y'all doing anything special for? We uh, we're going to a very nice dinner, and I have a nice surprise for her. So hopefully, uh, got a nice surprise. Hopefully, you know, you hopefully it all refilled, see how works out. <laughs> Red panty night. At that's a double. House. That's a double pill day. Yeah, that's a double <laughs> pill. Double pill. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, you'll but, have to keep us informed. Yeah. Happy anniversary, <laughs> sweetie. And, and we'll have a another. Uh, episode recorded before then so how about that right so that's right anyway let's get into some true crime time for monday and we're in louisiana and a 60 year old man will spend the rest of his life behind bars after he was found guilty of killing his girlfriend in a parking lot three years ago Uh A Jefferson Parish judge sentenced Dennis Shepard to life in prison in connection with Jaira Holmes' 2020 death. He was convicted of second-degree murder after jury deliberated only 36 minutes. Nice. That means he got a lot wow. of evidence. Wow. On November 2nd of 2020, Shepard and Holmes got into an argument outside of her apartment building. He got out a zip tie, put it around her neck, pulled it, and suffocated her to oh, death. Oh, God, that's a bad way to go. He then pushed her to the ground in front of witnesses. Witnesses heard Shepard saying, she wanted me dead, now she's dead. Jefferson Parish uh, Sheriff's Office deputies arrived at the apartment building parking lot and found Holmes deceased with that zip tie around her neck. Shepard was apprehended three days later in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. At the sentencing, Holmes' twin sister said in her victim impact statement that Shepard committed an evil act and added, I hope the only mercy you get for the rest of your life is the mercy you showed my sister. Uh, Judge June Barry Derensburg told Shepard she had a full life ahead of her. She was very young. To take someone's life, I would have to agree with the impact testimony. It was an evil act. So. How many years? In jail. Oh, uh, 60. Rest of his life. 
Oh, I thought you said, for some reason, I thought you said 60. Maybe no, I was he, thinking. His like, age is 60. Yeah, oh, he's 60. 60. Yeah, yeah. Well, that probably won't take him long then. That, yeah. Uh, prison, you don't exactly have the longest, what do you call that? Doesn't like, extend people. your life being in there? Yeah, huh. yeah, right? So. Well, well he's where he needs right, to be. Let me tell sure. you something. Mm, only a couple things that really, really bother me, and I have a really bad gag reflex, like when I brush my teeth. I told you about that before. And I don't want anybody touching my motherfucking neck. I don't know if I died like being choked out in a, in a past life. I cannot imagine having a zip tie done on your neck and being choked out like that. No doubt. Mm-mm, fuck that. But, but you mean just me reaching uh, over right now and don't touch doing a neck. little Adam's apple tickle? Will will that'll set you off? Don't touch my neck. Wow. I'll tell you, uh, well, you remember Sean Vincent Gillis was yeah. fond of zip ties. Yes, he was. That's right. Uh, he's a special one, too. So, all right, y'all. Let's go to North Dakota. In a North Dakota man named Stephen Edward Riley Jr., who was 51, made a decision to dump his longtime girlfriend, Ina Thea Kenora, 47. Hey, that's break breakups are not crime stories, Woody. Yeah, but you yeah. Know, no, no, just stay tuned. And hey, these things happen, and it was just time for the couple to move in different directions, right? And so, just move on, go on about your own business, right? Well, that's not exactly how Ina saw things. You see, Stephen had just learned he was to receive a very healthy inheritance. In fact, thirty million dollars worth Dang, of inheritance, wow. right? That's a life thing. So, but you know, it's, I, I mean, you know, in the state of Louisiana, you inherit shit, even though it's community property state. Your spouse is not allowed to half of that. Did you know that? No. No. Well, evidently, it's kind of come up, be the same thing here. So, so the breakup was rather ill time as far as Ena was concerned. Stephen Riley became a very, very ill during a meeting with his lawyer back on September third, and Riley was with his attorney to collect. His massive $30 million inheritance, according to police. Riley returned home after the meeting, but was feeling awful. Riley was still living with Ina at the time, but he had already made her his feelings known to her. Ina Kenora decided not to call 911 until the following day, and when they arrived at the Minot home, Riley was unresponsive. Ina was charged Monday with the September 5th murder of Stephen a gruesome act that cops said was driven by financial motives. This case was extremely complex, said the captain of the Minot Police Department. An autopsy determined he was killed after ingesting antifreeze, which police allege she fed to him. The, The accused killer proclaimed her innocence in a series of nonsense Facebook posts in the days leading up to her arrest, claiming Riley had killed himself. Uh, she told investigators she planned to split Riley's astounding inheritance, which she estimated to be around $30 million, with his son. She claimed she was entitled to the fortune as his common-law wife. The only problem with that is North Dakota does not recognize such relationships. And additionally, Riley had revealed plans to break off the romance shortly after receiving the massive sum, leading investigators to theorize that she poisoned him to secure the treasure. Rest in peace, Dad. I had a feeling it was her with how everything played out, but fuck, I wish we made plans to see each other sooner, Riley's grieving son wrote on Facebook. Hope she gets what she deserves for taking you from this world. She faces a double-A felony murder, the most severe murder charge in North Dakota, and she's being held without bond at the Ward County Detention Center. She plans on representing herself. Well, let me tell you some boys. You know, you know why they put the smell in antifreeze? Why it smells like it smells? So you can't poison somebody with it. Well, because back in the day, my daddy's day, they said, it, and cover your ears, Miss Jerry. Um, they like if other people's dogs came in the yard or whatever. Mm-hmm. They they would feed them antifreeze, and dogs, whatever, not the smell that it has now, yeah. whatever smell it was back then, they were super attracted to it, and that's how they would poison them. And they said it was a horrible, horrible, you know, watching your dog. Well, choke out yeah, and foam out. Yeah, Imagine what it does to a human being. Has there ever been a more clear motive for a case? I mean, I know. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, she waited all of 
24 hours yeah. after finding bef- right. to feed him the antifreeze? Wow, I don't know. But the uh, I don't know how the hell she thought she was going to get away with it. You know? $30 million make you do some crazy stuff. Yeah, but you know what? Y'all, if it ever happens to me, send me to Parish Forensics or my own autopsy. That's right. Okay? That's for sure. Well, Certainly, antifreeze shouldn't be hard to find. Yeah, but, yeah. But, right. but I mean, if the cops don't investigate it, if you ever just find me, I'm pretty healthy for my age. And if you ever find me dead from some stuff or there's a suicide note or whatever, I didn't do it. Call, you didn't write the suicide Call note. a homicide detective. Now, I may have wrote it at gunpoint or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I probably wouldn't be that kind of bitch. They would just have to shoot me. But if you ever find me like that, I didn't do it. Call a homicide. But you change your handwriting. See, if you have to, if you have to write that note, just do it in different handwriting so everyone can't because my handwriting is is like doctors. (laughs) Nobody can read it but me anyway. Yeah. Well, then we're not going to know you had to do it at gunpoint. This is true. Unless unless it's pretty handwriting. (laughs) Hawaii. Yep, been there. I love Hawaii. I'm not going back. You're not going back. I love Hawaii. I did say, and that I love I love every TV show about Hawaii. I mean, too. Five O, your favorite? I like Five O, but no Magnum PI Magnum? is my favorite. Do yeah, you like the new show. Magnum though? No, I never really watched it. Uh, I like the old Magnum. Tom yeah. Selleck, the old Magnum. Magnum. I love that. that the new the new Five O. I I think definitely better than the old Five O. Really? I mean, I it's actually it. run for a lot longer than the old Five O yeah, did, and never watched they it. still use the. Really awesome, cool theme song. Now they've got a they've got a NCIS Hawaii. Really, don't watch that either. They've got a CSI. Don't Hawaii. watch. Don't watch that either. So they've got all kinds of Hawaii. It's like stuff. going to work, but it's fake. Okay. Well, <laughs> we're going to do a story about Hawaii. All right, do it. Authorities were convinced that they were KGB spies. Uh oh. And now a jury has convicted a Hawaiian couple of conspiracy, passport fraud, and identity theft for stealing identities and living for decades under the name of two dead babies. Juries deliberated for about two hours before reaching guilty verdicts on Monday. The judge presiding over the trial in U.S. District Court in Honolulu referred to the couple by their preferred names of Bobby Fort and Julie Montague. The couple had argued in court that their actions did not harm anyone. At the start of the trial, Assistant U.S. Attorney Tom Mulek said that the real Bobby Fort had been dead for more than 50 years. The baby had a bad cough and lived for only three months, Molnick said. One of the witnesses who testified was Tonda Montague Ferguson, who said she was in the eighth grade when her mother gave birth to her sister, Julie Montague, in 1968, but the infant had birth defects and died about three weeks later. The two babies were uh, were buried in Texas cemeteries 15 miles apart. The couple now going by Bobby Fort and Julie Montague had attended the same high school in Texas. A classmate who remained in touch with them after high school said that they had stayed with him for a short period of time and told him that they planned to change their identities because they had accumulated substantial debt. The husband even used his fake identity, which made him 12 years younger, to join the Coast Guard. When they're sentenced in March, they face a maximum of 10 years in prison for charges of making false statements in the application and use of a passport. They face up to five years for conspiracy charges and mandatory two-year consecutive terms for aggravated identity theft. The case gained attention soon after the arrest last year because prosecutors suggested it was about more than just identity theft. Prosecutors introduced Polaroids of the couple wearing what they described as, quote, authentic KGB uniforms, and they believed that the couple were Russian agents. The Russian suspicions are what drove this case forward. But lawyers for the couple explained that they wore the same jacket once just for fun and had absolutely no ties to Russia. Upon further investigation, prosecutors backed away from the whole Russian spy intrigue, but... They had broken the law and were prosecuted accordingly anyway. So the the whole reason they were discovered was because they wore these outfits that made these guys think they were Russian spies, but they weren't Russian spies at all. But they had stolen these identities of these infants that had uh, that had passed away years ago uh, to avoid a bunch of debt that they were in. So they are now going to go to jail. Debt. 
debt 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 avoiders debt avoiders yes yeah and pay your bills people don't change your name right look identity theft serious shit yep it'll it'll ruin someone's life that don't even know they're it's getting ruined right you know well they were they were dead so well in that case yeah Yeah. but i'm just overall i mean identity theft's a major problem in this country and maybe in every country for that matter uh we're gonna move on to a michigan man you've been doing a lot of michigan lately his story that's where the landing strip is that's that's (laughs) right Uh, a michigan man who claimed to expose child predators online across his social media accounts was shot and killed last week robert wayne lee known across social media to his over fifty thousand followers on instagram as bupak shakur would pose online as a 15 year old girl to lure and expose predators into meetings Lee was in a restaurant in the area of uh, Pontiac, Michigan, a city 30 miles outside of Detroit, when he was shot and killed by a person during an argument. The following day, investigators told reporters Lee confronted two males sitting at a table and accused one of them of being a pedophile before punching him. Mm-hmm. Oakland County Sheriff Michael Bouchard said one suspect pulled out a knife while the other pulled a gun, shooting Lee multiple times. In an updated statement, Bouchard said it no longer that no longer appeared to be the case. When we originally responded to the call, the community inferred he could have been there for that reason uh, to confront a pedophile. But he added, as we got deeper into the investigation, we have yet to find any corroborative information on that point. So far, there is no evidence to uh, that the confrontation was a planned meeting or that it was part of any sting operation. Police said. The two people who were involved in shooting Lee were a 16-year-old who prosecutor's office says was the suspected shooter and an 18-year-old. They're, the case does remain under investigation, but uh, apparently this guy was was playing right. a little, you know, NBC. Right. It, uh, uh, what's it? Chris Hansen. Hansen. Chris, Chris Hansen. Hansen. Yep. Yeah, in in Michigan, and and uh, look, that's always a bad idea. Yeah. Don't, yeah. you know, leave it to the authorities and experts. Right. Uh, I got, yeah, I, I don't I understand if he was really doing it and people taking the law in their own hands or whatever, but the, those Chris Hansen episodes and I actually got to speak with him. And, and, uh, he's not really doing those anymore. He's a pretty cool guy there. But the, uh, that's some of the best shit you've ever seen when he lures his oh, pedophiles yeah. in yeah. they show it's, alcohol yeah. and pizzas and condoms and weed and 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 the girl's like that'd be just a minute their face when he <laughs> walks he comes in. out and they're like to catch a predator yeah to catch a predator. yeah am i getting confused or was he caught doing the same kind of thing uh, no 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 he, he was he, caught he, cheating on his wife yeah he got caught <laughs> but not he got caught same. with some, no. some stuff but no. but he he actually has a, a, a very successful podcast and stuff now and and I mean, he's just a dude. He's, he's a regular Joe. His people are actually pretty cool, too. We've been in contact with him. But anyway, you know what? Squatters, boys. Squatters. A lot of squatters. Squatters again. So I guess. Uh, you're, I, you're the official I, squatters? I was, I was about to say, I guess I've now become the official squatters stories correspondent here. Okay, let me write that down. At Real Life Real Crime Daily. And we have a new one out of the state of Florida. Now. This is like the third in in two weeks. Uh, Florida authorities arrested 19 squatters last week after they destroyed a vacant motel, creating a really atrocious scene and causing $15,000 in damages. Squatters were charged with trespassing at a former budget inn in Gainesville where police have responded to dozens of calls in, uh, in the past. This time... There were a lot of people there and a lot of damage to the facilities. They had broken into the utilities. There was an enormous amount of drug paraphernalia and alcohol, the county spokesperson said. It was just a really atrocious scene. It took three hours for the local sheriff's department to clear 36 rooms, including some that were barricaded shut. It's pretty smart there, right? Yeah. Let me tell you something. 
the hardest door to break down is a hotel door. I've hit mm-hmm. it with the SWAT team and the one here in Dennis Springs, one of the hotels here. We beat that son of a bitch with the ram and, and the, the still could <laughs> never budget. get it open. I had to go get Jeez. the key and they had already flushed everything by the time we got in uh, then. But so, but that's pretty smart. And uh, you got the super door anyway, and then you got barricade it shut. But a minor was even in one of the rooms, y'all, without a legal guardian. And the day before, the Lee County Sheriff's um, Office officers arrested another suspected squatter, Emmanuel Pierre, after he broke into a home. Pierre cooked in the kitchen, drove a car in the driveway, and even set up a console to play video games in the bedroom. The homeowner came back to the house after he received alerts that the temperature on his smart thermostat had changed. Hmm. Right. He called 911 when he saw the house was broken into before finding the squatter behind the wheel of his car. The homeowner blocked Pierre from leaving until the sheriff's office arrived and Pierre was charged with burglary and still in a car. Mm. Squatter squatters everywhere. Yeah. I, I bet it's a huge thing in, in Florida because of all the snowbirds. I mean, all of those places that are unoccupied the, the, for like the half one the that year. had the island, the, the one trips me out the most yeah. is the island right offshore, and they built tree houses and shit. And all the rich people were mad as fuck because they they had to look uh-huh. across these people swimming back and oh, forth yeah. the island and staying on there, you know. But squatters, yeah. see if I can make it wrong. Squatter, squatters everywhere. Squatter, squatters, y'all beware. No, that doesn't make sense. Squatter, <laughs> squatters everywhere. Squatter, squatters. I'm Life's not there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Some whatever. Well, I you know, uh, uh, yeah, squatters are, are becoming a major problem. But Elon Musk and Joe Rogan were talking on uh, on a, a great podcast uh, just a few days ago, and one of the discussions was San Francisco and how crazy it has gotten because Elon Musk has businesses there. Mm-hmm. And it's Twitter, it, yeah, and it, X, X, and he, him, and Rogan were talking about uh, uh, just where that located, where it's located. And he asked Rogan, "Have you been to San Francisco lately?" And he's like, no, "You know, not lately, but it was bad when I was there." He said, right. "Joe, it's insane. It's so, like a whole nother world." Yeah, and so let me say this, and that's a beautiful city, from right. what I understand. Right, I've never it been used to be. be. Used to be. Yeah. The, uh, and so I was listening, and yet let me go ahead and uh, give a shout out to Joe Rogan because um, I actually listened to his shit on the way back and forth to Wisconsin after I listened to all ours. The Joe, you want to have us on the show? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Definitely. I, 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 I can smoke some weed with you and say a bunch of fuck bombs <laughs> and tell some great stories. So go ahead and get us on that, Jay. Uh, uh, or you can come on ours. It doesn't matter. We love you, though. The, uh, I listen for like, I, I think the show's the longest fuck. The, the, the last one I listened Three to hours, was Hulk Hogan, bro. Oh, it was yeah. Hulk yeah, Hogan was talking good. about all the drugs and the murders and the shit yeah. they did back in the 70s. Yeah. But anyway, oh, he was talking about this. Um, because my brain skips, but he was talking about how we, you were talking about them locking up everything in the Walgreens and shit. He said even the TV dinners and shit are all under padlock. Yeah, now. but Walgreens and all the rest of them. Yeah, and they, like four four hundred couldn't be billion. I thought they said billion. That's what these chains lost. Oh, Target lost four hundred million in one year from people running a store and still shit. And if you stole under nine hundred dollars, they just let you go. Oh, yeah. Nine hundred dollars worth of shit. Yeah, that's crazy. How the fuck can you stay in business like that? That's a crime. You got thieves and they're adding up what they're stealing. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, don't go over nine hundred, boys. Have you guys noticed that on uh, pharmacies, pharmacy parking lots, there are now a meaningful number of slots to park for quick pickup that you can only park for ten minutes because so many people are now calling ahead or going online and placing their order because so many of the items they want are are behind some kind of protection. And so it's going to cost them so much time to try to go to the store uh, physically. If I was a thief, my answer to that would be I call ahead and make my big-ass order and have them bring it out to me and just steal it then. (laughs) But they're not going to bring an order out that you haven't already paid for. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, so you have to submit. I ordered McDonald's for the first time this morning through the app and uh, pulled in a curbside. You didn't get urine lot. instead of coffee. No, I didn't, I didn't okay. get him semen in my water either. Okay, good. 
but I got my cough, my frappe, and, and my egg and muffin. And your man got to eat. Man gotta yes, eat. a man does man gotta, gotta eat, too. eat. But a man doesn't got to cheat. Nope. And we're going to talk about cheating here. We're going to go back to Michigan where there is a major. The land is true. College, there is a major <laughs> exotic Dance club known as the Landing Strip, just a couple miles down the road from Metro Airport. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about a cheating scandal that has the potential of bringing down one of the top football programs in college. You guys heard about this? Mm -hmm. What's going on here? I don't know. Powerball. Pay attention. Pay attention. It's called the Landing Strip Lounge. I just looked it up. Oh, they added lounge to it. And it has no, 3. So it's 7, much more classy. 3.7 stars. Out of five? Yeah. Wow. It's that, Back in the day, it had to hit a four or five, I would think. Back to the- uh, Dine-in, no delivery. <laughs> no, <laughs> so oh, my God. Apologies to the Landing Strip and you- Good people in Michigan. I'm trying to get us a Christmas party there. Okay. So the University of Michigan has won nine NCAA football championships. Hate to break it to you guys, but that's more than LSU, more than Ohio they're State, more than USA. Um, but they have not been a champion since 1997. And patience in Ann Arbor, Michigan has been running low for years. Legendary Michigan quarterback and former NFL quarterback and former coach of the San Francisco 49ers, Jim Harbaugh, returned to his alma mater, Michigan, back in 2015 to become its 20th head football coach. Harbaugh vowed when he got there that he would win a championship with Big Blue. He's about to do it now. He's 8 now. He's had a lot of success since coming back to Ann Arbor. He's got a record of 74-25 and 25 overall. They've had uh, five 10-win seasons with him as coach. They've gone to seven uh, straight bowl games, and twice they've made it to the college football semifinals. But he has yet to make good on his vow. This year, Michigan is undefeated at 8-0 and ranked number three in the country. Number two now. With many people believing... They went from two to three this week. I don't know if you saw the latest rankings. Um, I just Woody's not as up to date as Mike is on college football ranking. How about that? Oh, well, that's the AP top twenty-five. I, go, <laughs> I just looked it up. I didn't make that number up out That's of my AP. Head. We don't do anything AP here on the show. Okay. This year, Michigan is undefeated at eight and zero and ranked either second or third in the country. And many uh, people believe that they actually have the best team in the country. But Jim Harbaugh has a very big problem. Michigan has been accused of cheating. Mm. Harbaugh and Michigan are at the center of an NCAA investigation into alleged sign stealing. And it became public on October 19th. You may be saying sign stealing football. I don't get it. How does that work? The the allegations involve whether Michigan violated rules that prohibit teams from scouting future opponents in person, a practice that has been banned in college football since the mid nineties. One Michigan staffer, a guy by the name of Connor Stallions, who has been suspended, paid a former Division Three coach to attend and record future opponents' games and sidelines, according to ESPN. Similar to baseball, football teams are always trying to steal signs from the other team during games, and there's no rule against stealing signs during a game. In baseball, the third base coach flashes signs to a runner on base to tell them whether to steal or whether a sacrifice bunt is being called for. Uh, similarly, in football, a defensive coach will signal from the sidelines what kind of alignment they want the defense in for a particular play. Defenses work very hard to disguise what defense they are in um, so that uh, so that the offense can't adjust a play known as calling an audible um, for that particular defense. So a game of cat and mouse is constantly played over this and Peyton Manning's probably the quarterback most famous for outsmarting the, uh, the other team with, uh, with those audibles and reading the defense by putting guys in motion and different things like that. So if you know what the defense is going to do on a particular play, then you can choose an offensive play designed specifically to succeed against that defense, right? This is why you cannot advance scout <laughs> opponents and record their sidelines. If you do this, you'll be able to study that film and understand what the signals are for certain defensive alignments. And now when you play that team, you'll know what defense they're going to be in for each play. So up until now, it's been unknown whether Harbaugh was aware 
that Michigan had received film of future opponents. The situation is being invested in real time. Everybody is hush-hush, including the athletic director who's not saying anything. Uh, Harbaugh is not saying anything. But Harbaugh had been offered a new contract, a, a lengthy contract, uh, contract extension that would have made him the uh, the highest paid coach in the Big Ten and one of the highest paid coaches in college football. It's unclear exactly when that contract was floated, but it has been retracted because of the sign stealing allegations. So uh, nobody's talking about it, but if Michigan is found to have committed these violations, they would almost certainly be suspended from participation in any playoffs, including this year. So their best team chance at a national championship and they're, uh, and they're tossed and can't do it. They could have victories taken away Harbaugh could face suspension or even termination if Michigan deemed it was in the university's interest. So major scandal, college football. And I know how much our listeners love football stories, especially uh, four-pagers. I would like to offer you congratulations on that, Mike, for having the most thorough explanation (laughs) of sign-stealing that I've ever heard in my life. That's right. No, we have a lot of listeners who. Okay, you know what? You, uh, well, we'll count the numbers. Complain at me if that was all redundant and you all understand football well enough to know everything, and that was idiotic. Or thank me for explaining the scandal That'll to you fun. and cool. uh, the the role of signs. There in you the go, listeners. Or thank you. Or say. Or tell me you don't yeah, give a shit. shit about <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> All right. Well, now we're going to give you something you may give a shit about. And as the Airbnb correspondent. You are the Airbnb correspondent. How can our Airbnb correspondent be somebody who's one? never stayed in the Airbnb? That's right. Because I'm not biased. Oh, you're unbiased. I'm unbiased. unbiased. Yeah. Well, the reason you don't stay in one is because you're biased against <laughs> staying in one. So. It's because I come across these crazy stories. Right. And I'm going to give you another one. Airbnb is at it again. Right. Airbnb, an Airbnb customer was told there was nothing the company could do after a host mixed up their leaving dates and dumped all of their belongings out on the street. The company offered compensation to the customer only after the case was raised by. All right, guys. We've never had an intervention on the show, but we're going to have one right now. And this applies to both of you guys, but perhaps a bit more to Mr. Overton. Mm, must be alcohol. Well, you know, neither of you guys are 25 anymore, and sometimes you need to take a break away from the alcohol. Oh, boy. So I want to talk to you about a healthy alternative to alcohol that can be just the right fix after a stressful day. You know, Woody, like a day after 10 crazies from Wisconsin come into town to kill a thousand wild boars and you idiots end up killing a thousand shiner box at the same time. That's going to happen. Well, I know it is. And so I want to tell you about a product called recess mood. Mm. Think about it. Even the name sounds relaxing. Recess mood is a delicious sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like mood lifting magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens so you can relax without the alcohol or the hangover. Now, while Jim is looking up the meaning of adaptogens, I'll continue on. Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show listeners get 15% off the Recess Mood Sampler Pack at takearecess.com slash R-L-R-C. That's takearecess.com slash R-L-R-C. You can enjoy Recess Mood after a busy day or whatever you need to relax and unwind. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. Mm. Those sound yummy. Yeah. It's only got 20 calories, doesn't have any sugar in it. So I don't know if you've ever had guilt, Woody, but if you do, Recess Mood could help you get rid of it. Guilt, but I've had the pain of not having recess. (laughs) Okay, well, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash R-L-R-C and get 15% off a Recess Mood sampler pack. It's your go-to alcohol replacement. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A reporter. The customer, identified only as PM, said uh, they were on the last night of their stay in Washington, D.C. when they returned to their property late in the evening. They told the paper that the apartment had been cleaned and that they found their belongings, including their passport, dumped in the street in garbage bags. The customer added that after reaching out to the host, they were told they had overstayed and that the new guest was coming in the morning. I showed my booking confirmation stating checkout was 11 a.m. the following morning, and she looked sheepish, sheepishly. They said that they were ultimately allowed to return to the apartment for the night, but that the host refused to offer any compensation. The customer said Airbnb uh, didn't respond until after 3 a.m. and repeatedly told them they couldn't help. Jake Ross, a company spokesman, told Insider in a statement that issues were those issues were rare. Our original handling of this case did not meet our high standards, and we have issued a refund and additional compensation to the guests to make amends. The compensation eventually offered to the customer consisted of half the money returned and half of it as credit towards a future stay. Ross also said, while we believe this was a genuine misunderstanding, we have warned the host about their management of the situation. He added that the host was a super host. Who knew they had those? Who had never had complaints of this nature before. He said the company has reached out to the guests to make things right. But, y'all, this ain't the first time Airbnb has been accused of being slow to respond to public concerns. Jeff Palkovich, whose Los Angeles home was falsely listed as an Airbnb for months in April of 2022, tried for more than a year to alert the company, which only took action after media reported the incident. Imagine that. You got a house you're just living in and Airbnb's promoting it as a rental. Uh, It emerged that his property was probably being used as a bait and switch scam. The company has since removed the false listing. And in eight, in 2018, Airbnb took several months to compensate a couple whose host smashed through their window in a frenzy. Mm. Though the company promised the couple a refund of $708, the money only came after media started applying pressure. Airbnb declined to pay the couple the 5000 compensation they requested, offering, get this, $2,700 and therapy sessions what? instead, what? as it was reported. So Airbnb, how about that? Hey, you you show up, you, you, you check out's not till 11 a.m. the next day, and all your stuff's oh, in, in the yard. Yeah. The, the, uh, you reminded me, I actually did have a bad Airbnb experience like 13, 14 years ago. The, um, it was in uh, Gulf Shores or Orange Beach. And so we had rented this apartment through Airbnb, which was off the beach. But the guy gave us passes to one of the Phoenix Phoenixes that where they own mm-hmm. a, a condo. So you can go use the big lavish swimming pool and all this shit. And back then, I didn't have a lot of money. I was just out of law enforcement, stuff like that. I took my family. And the second day, we're in the, the apartment, get a knock on the door. It's apartment manager. They had a little swimming pool there. And I said, can I help you? And she said, are y'all Airbnb? And I said, yeah. And she said, you got to get out. And I'm like, what do you mean? She said, this guy is Airbnb in it, and he's not allowed to. And mm. in, uh, to add insult to injury, we had gone, I think the same morning, we had gone over to the Phoenix thing with the armbands and shit and the, and the parking tag. The security wouldn't let us in. The armbands were, were for a different week. So I'm not throwing shade on Airbnb. But I was long. I just I had forgot about that. But I've used them since then. So interesting story there, Jimmy. All right. Uh, I would actually like to offer something in Airbnb's defense here. Yeah. Uh, use them all the time, and you know you got to be diligent, and you got to go on Google Earth and make sure that the place is in the location you want it to be in, and that you've gotten real pictures of the place and everything else. But. Uh, Extensive use for a decade, and rarely have we had anything but a small problem, and those problems get addressed uh, pretty quickly. I think there's uh, uh, there's an industry in this country that is hurting very badly because of Airbnb that, that often is behind uh, pushing a lot of negative publicity in that direction. I won't, I won't talk about who those companies might be. 
Well, that's the only one I have. Uh, I just told that dude I was going to whip his ass. I didn't file a complaint with Airbnb. But let me let's go back to Alabama <laughs> again because I was just talking about it, right? So yeah, yeah, you know what? I've lived all over the United States and moved and shit, and I always leave something behind. But man, not like these dumbasses. Listen to this. So. Like I said, moving is never an easy process. There's so much to do, and many people procrastinate and put it off to the last moment. And when you rush like that, it can become easy to forget things. But you won't believe what this Alabama couple left behind. The landlord sold the house the Halsteads were renting back in September. The new homeowners were cleaning the new property when they came upon a gruesome discovery. It was a spare freezer. Okay. Well, awesome. Right. That could have been a bonus, right? Yeah. I and mean, then you're thinking it's because well, I said gruesome. You think it might be some rotten meat or something in? Maybe it wasn't plugged Possibly. In. No, negative. Ghost Rider, that pattern is full. Um, they thought they were going to get a freezer and then they opened it up Don't and found say. a decomposed body. Oh, Lord. So they freaked out and called the police. And on Sunday, the Henry County Sheriff's deputies arrested Michael Shane Halstead, 44, and Karen uh, Tyslinger Halstead, 42. And they have each been charged with one count of abuse of a corpse. The, the, the We received a call at 11.37 a.m., and when officers responded, they found the body. Uh, uh, Blankenship said, and Blankenship, y'all, is their, I think, their sheriff. The decomposed body, believed to be a 19-year-old Logan Michael Halstead, was found in the freezer outside where I told you at. The Halsteads were questions uh, before being charged, and they've had to appear before a judge. They got a $175,000 bond. But the couple's youngest children, 13-year-old twin boys, are currently in the care of the Alabama Department of Human Resources, and the landlord sold the Halstead house to the current homeowners in September. The body had apparently been in the freezer since late August. This incident is a very tragic situation, and our agency is committed to finding out the truth. The investigation is still ongoing, and information will continue to be released as the case progresses, Blankenship said in a press release. Blankenship said the department is currently in initial stages of investigation and that the deceased body has been transported for an official autopsy. Uh, in addition to working with the forensic team, the sheriff said the department is working with the Social Security Administration. And Blankenship said the deceased was receiving disability benefits due to ongoing medical issues because the kid suffered spina bifida, right? Uh, yeah. Blankenship said the parents could face murder charges depending on the outcome of the autopsy. And the dad attempted to hide his son's body from his wife and their other children. Before putting Logan in the backyard freezer, he wrapped his son in a body, uh, wrapped his body in a plastic bag and blankets and a shower curtain and covered him in cardboard. Following the disposal of Logan's body, Michael moved his family into a hotel room to hide it further. In open court, Michael said he and his wife had no knowledge of the crime. Authorities believe she did have knowledge prior to the arrest being made, the sheriff said. Blankenship claimed that Michael called the Headland Police Department on October 11th and said he had hidden his son's body. The officer searched the property but did not find the body and left. And several weeks later, it was found by the new homeowners, right? I'm going to explain that one to you, Sheriff. And so <laughs> how incompetent are the freaking police? What's wrong with this guy and the poor new homeowners who have to find the decomposed body and, uh, you know, uh, Sheriff, what would you call him? Sheriff Blankenship? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, he said they're sending the body off for an official autopsy. Um, I mean, if he's smart, he'll reach out to Roy Provost right. at Parish Forensics right. and have the autopsy done by uh, by those guys. And they are, as you all know, the official autopsy provider to Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show to make sure that things like this are done by experts. Well, that's so true, Mike. And if the family would like the body cremated, Roy and the two Christians can take it from there, make sure the work is expertly done. And a funeral service could occur right there under that big American flag in Broussard, Louisiana. And close your ears, Miss Chair. But hey, if they had had a pet of some kind in another freezer on the property, oh Roy God. and the two Christmas could have made sure 
that the pet was cremated properly and the family could have chosen one of the great choices of urns provided by the Louisiana Pet Crematory so they would always have their furry friend close by. And that's at lapetcrematory.com. Parish Forensics, Louisiana Funeral Services, and Louisiana Pet Crematory are official partners of Real Life, Real Crime and The Daily Show. They're great people who can help you when the time comes and remember what they always say, guys. Rest Rest easy. easy. And you know what? We need to go do a live show from there one day. We love them. Only place in the state of Louisiana where you can get an independent autopsy done. By the way, that story was ridiculous. I mean, I, I can't say it's just so freaking stupid. ridiculous story. I don't get it. And I would never serve up a ridiculous story like that. That's right. Woody Overton. So let's get serious again. Okay. So his real name is Carlos Irwin Estevez. Charlie's brother. Anybody? Carl, what, is a what? Is it Emilio? His real brother? name is Carlos Irwin Emilio Estevez. Estevez. Charlie Sheen. Do you know what his real name is? Charlie ding, Sheen. ding. His real name is Charlie Sheen. Charlie Lost had a, Boys. No, sorry. He wasn't in that one. Charlie no. had a huge but <laughs> very, very wild and volatile career, right? That was a great movie, though. Uh, well. Soundtrack was cool, too. Yeah. Platoon. I mean, think of the string of movies yet. Platoon, Platoon in 86. Go back to the one, uh, The Outsiders. Major League. Major League, yes. <laughs> no, yes, he sig- okay. smoke. Okay, yeah. but his signature movies. Platoon, Wall Street. Major League. Major League was a signature movie. Well, B- Bud Platoon Fox. was the shit. Look, yeah, Bud Fox and Wall Street. Also, Young Guns. I mean, Bud Fox got to sleep with Daryl Hannah. Come on. I rest my case there. In 2010, did, did you, you know? Mr. Paint? In 2010, did you know? <laughs> That what did you call it, Mister Pink, Mister Skin, Mister Skin. Yeah. In in 2010, listen. In 2010, Charlie Sheen was the highest paid TV actor, getting 1.8 million an episode for Two and a Half Men. What? 1.8 million an episode. A year later, in 2011, he was fired from Two and a Half Men and began claiming that he was quote a warlock with quote tiger blood. Mm-hmm. and, quote, Adonis DNA, and a whole bunch of other crazy shit, right? So his life since has pretty much been in and out of rehab, starts and stops with acting, and a number of, of failed relationships, some famously failed relationships. But even Charlie was shocked recently when he learned that his eldest daughter, Sammy, had kick-started a career as a sex worker. Uh-oh. The 19-year-old launched her adult business venture by joining OnlyFans, which for those of you who don't know is a is a subscription based platform that allows creators to share nude or partially nude content that Jim Chapman currently spends $2300 a month on 2500 oh, 2500 <laughs> Sammy's mom Denise Richards who was credited by Mr. Skin with a top 5 movie nudity moment of all time for her lesbian scene in the movie Wild Things who was the other actress? That was that a scene? great movie. Who was the other actress? Nev Campbell. No, boom, Jim tied it up one more. Oh, yeah. That uh, that scene with Nev Campbell. Um, uh, Denise was cool with Sammy's unconventional career move. How could you not be? Despite initially being taken aback, Charlie said he began to see things differently because it was his daughter. In response to her daughter's career move, Denise Richards, who's now fifty-two said, Sammy is 18. All I can do as a parent is guide her and trust her judgment, but she makes her own choices. Right. Charlie blamed his ex-wife for Sammy's choices, telling page six of the New York Post at the time that she's 18 years old now and living with her mother. This did not occur under my roof. (laughs) That's funny coming from him. He added, I do not condone this, but since I'm unable to prevent it, I urged her to keep it classy, creative, and not sacrifice her integrity. As for Sammy, she says since joining OnlyFans, quote, I've never felt more confident in my body. I think it's because of my subscribers. They're the best. Thanks, Jim. Right now, <laughs> right now, her biggest concern is quitting vaping, which she's been told she needs to do in order to get the D-cup breast implants she's been wanting ever since she was on the cusp of puberty. Quote, I was 10 years old and like, I can't wait to have big boobs like my mom. All my, all my friends were getting boobs, and I was just like, "Okay, when's it going to be my turn?" 
my God. I dedicate this story to any parents out there that don't think they are role models for their kids. This crime is the story of America in 2023. A lost generation. Poor Sammy. Role models. How much she's making a month? Uh, She wouldn't. She wouldn't yeah. disclose. She's yeah. making up. She's making a shitload. Yeah, so oh, I'm be making a shit ton more than that that we we've advertised for on real life for crime daily. That's right. Oh, That's right. Thank you, you for the wild shout out, wild the things way. too. By the way, I'd uh, like to. She's going uh, to be in wild things too. Major uh, league too. I would just like to thank her for the shout out. <laughs> yeah, thank you for the shout yeah. out. Thank you very. Do you want much. me to try try and get you a sign? No, picture no I, can, I, can, I can handle that. She oh, said yeah. you were spending. Well, you have a direct relationship with her. You don't need. Huh? She said you were spending twenty five hundred. No, she said twenty three. Jim said you, it's up to. 25. I thought she were getting twenty five hundred for total, yours. Total. I thought that's you were, right. right. No, mine's like five. Twenty five thousand. That's right. Yeah, I'm not cheap. Yeah. Right. We're about to retire. Not cheap, but good. Yeah, I'm gonna be your manager. Well, I'm just glad that Sammy can finally get those D cups. I mean, to to live in LA and be around all those other ten year olds that are getting right, their yeah, D cups, and I you mean, can't. How unfair is that? That's right. What do you do as a fifth grade teacher when the kid says, "I need a couple of days off. I'm getting you can implants." Take off that belt and move freely around the cabin. All right, it's a mile high crime. Mile high, and we're gonna tell you about a crazy one today, y'all. Mm. And this one you're gonna have to keep up with. An incident involving a dog on a Southwest Airlines flight resulted in at least three people being asked to leave the flight. One of the people being involved in the situation reports this. Since Sunday, a TikToker identifying herself as Sarah Price had posted five videos on TikTok about that flight. She says that her and her husband were on board. Uh, and uh, in the first video, Price says a passenger was kicked off the flight for petting her own dog. In one of the follow-up videos, Price said she and her husband were then both asked to leave the flight. The first video shows a woman sporting an Oregon State Beavers sweatshirt. That explains a lot. Mm-hmm. Removing her bags from the plane. Just kidding, Oregon. Removing her bags from the plane overhead compartment and heading toward the exit. The text overlay on Price's video says, Southwest Airline kicks lady off flight for petting her puppy. The video has been watched more than 1.4 million times as of this recording. The puppy was whining a little and the flight attendant boarding... Uh, The flight attendant boarding everyone walked up to her and said, if your dogs don't be quiet, you're not going to be able to fly. Um, After boarding, the dog owner, who was sitting in the same row as Price, put the carrier in her lap and continued to pet the dog. The flight attendant approached the dog owner and asked her to zip up the carrier and stow it under the seat, according to Price. Price shared a second video that the woman thought it would be okay for her to continue petting until everyone had boarded. Price added the flight attendant decided to return to the gate and remove the dog owner from the plane. Uh, In that video, the dog owner can be heard refusing assistance from the flight attendant. I'm not going to have you touch a thing of mine. You are rude. You are a mean person, and I will never fly southwest again, the dog owner said. Other people can be heard consoling her in the background and saying it's not like you even had the dog out. You were petting it. One man can be heard saying in one of the follow-up videos, uh, that man being her husband, that particular quote. A representative for Southwest said their reports showed a passenger was not complying with the airline's policy of keeping kennels closed. Uh, but Price's story didn't end there. In a follow, one of her follow-up videos she shared on uh, this past Monday, Price said that she and her husband were also asked to get off the flight. A uh, video Price shared shows a Southwest staff member approaching the plane's galley and speaking with the pilot. Price said that her husband had said that the treatment of the dog owner was ridiculous. And in a fourth video, she showed screenshots of what she said were messages between her and the Southwest representative. In one of the screenshots, the other party apologized to Price, writing they regret that she and her husband were unable to travel with us to San Diego as planned. So I know Mike has some experience with flying with pets. You have no idea. I have the exact experience except the airline handled it much much better i uh i picked up 
uh, Jake, who's now 14, as a puppy from uh, the breeder at Kennedy Airport. So literally a half hour after I got him, we got on an American flight to fly to L.A. from Kennedy. And, you know, he's a little puppy. He only knew me for an hour, and he was crying in the little bag that uh, – the carry-on bag, and disturbing everybody in the cabin because he was whimpering. So I kept unzipping part of his bag and and sticking my hand down – to keep Comfort petting him yeah. and and make him comfortable, and he was calm while I was while I was doing that. But it was really really uncomfortable to try and get all the way down there. So I picked him up, I picked the bag up, not the dog. Picked the bag up, put it on my lap, and was doing it that way. And I was asked to stop by the flight attendant and told to put the dog under the seat in front of me. And I said, "Well, if I do that, he's going to start crying again." Sir, that's the rule you have to do. So I do it. Of course, he starts crying again. So I wait until the five ten goes away. I bring him back up on my lap, and I'm petting him. And uh, again, he's in the bag, and I'm petting him. Flight attendant sees me, whatever, a half hour later. Sir, I've already told you once, the dog must be... I said, if I put him down below, he's going to start uh, He's going to start crying, and he's going to disturb everybody in the cabin. That's the rule, sir. Put him down. Put him down. He starts screaming again, and I pick him up again, and here comes the flight attendant 15 minutes later. And so I uh, – it was actually a guy, and I stop him cold, and I sit, and I just asked everyone in the cabin. I said, folks, the flight attendant's about to ask me to put this dog down uh, under the seat in front of me uh, where he's been crying the whole time. Are you all comfortable with him staying on my lap or I pet him and he's quiet, or would you rather have me put him uh, – under the seat in front of me where he's going to cry the rest of the flight. Everybody goes, leave the dog. <laughs> oh my God. And so the flight attendant finally backs off. Now that was American, not uh, uh, Southwest. But wow. I mean, these people have to use just More better judgment. Sense, huh? It's I mean, called sticking to the rules too. Hard. Yeah. yeah. Sticking to the rules, and they actually yeah. kicked a second couple off the plane for complaining. Yeah. That's for basically unbelievable. not being on their side and being on the, yeah, it's yeah. What's happened at Southwest? I know it. What was his name? The founder? Mr. Southwest? No, the uh, famous guy. uh, Fred? Crimes for Friday. I can't remember his name. He was never in a kinky crime. All right, y'all. Even back to the the people that wear the badge. And mm, here we go. It's just a fucking bizarre one. Jimma Dix. Now, what a name, right? That's it's a great name for a kinky crime. Right, right. Jimma, Jimma Dix? Jimma Dix. J-E-M-M-A, last name Dix. D-I-C-K-S. 28, confessed to oral sex at various locations and dates with her sergeant lover in their busy police station. Over oh. A, right? over a 10-month fling at a hearing last Friday. Mm. The disciplinary hearing board was told P.C. Dix... Police. Right, right. Could I? Yeah, it must got to be something like that. So let's just say the disciplinary hearing board told Dix... uh, (laughs) Told Dix admitted to senior officers on multiple occasions the oral sex occurred while on shift together. But 40-year-old Sergeant Adam Reed who has since left the force, told his wife it only happened once as the pair were working together. Plot thickens. Dix is now battling to save her career by saying their sex games are not something that constitutes a firing. Right? Bullshit. You're on on the duty. But anyway, their affair came to light after Sergeant Reed was accused of taking sneak photographs of another woman officer's feet with Officer <laughs> Dix in the station sergeant's office. Mm. Right, so a little jealousy there. Sergeant Reed was challenged about taking the secret feet pictures without consent and later admitted to having a foot fetish. Mm. Mm. Plot thickens. Both now face a disciplinary hearing with top brass from the department for discreditable conduct for their sex games. Officer Dix argued that her breaches of professional behavior only amount to misconduct and were not gross misconduct, which would constitute firing her. A civil attorney for the city said, we rely on PC Dix's own admission that there were multiple occasions for that this activity. The factual allegations are admitted. 
The officer says the conduct admitted amounts to misconduct, but not gross misconduct. I already told you all that. Former Sergeant Mr. Reed was not at the hearing, but the police federation had been communicating with him through his wife. Uh, but Mr. Brax. Branston and Mr. said Mr. Reed was claiming he only allowed PC Dix to perform the sex act on him on one occasion. Again, I already told you all that. This marriage charge reads, it is alleged that PC Jimma Dix has breached the standards of professional behavior related to duties and responsibilities and discredible conduct of such breaches are amount to gross misconduct. So they're trying to fire their ass. It is alleged that on various dates between officers Dix gave Sergeant Adam Reed oral sex in various locations at the police station. Again, I already told you that. The, the hearing was told the second sexual incident between the two unfolded after Dix was seen by Reed working out in the station gym with members of the firearm team. Hmm. Officer Dix said, Reed texted me to say he was on his way up and he came into the gym. He was uh-huh. in his work clothes and I could just tell from his face that he was angry and he left. He texts, kitchen now. By the, by the time I arrived at the kitchen, he jumped me. He exposed his penis and pushed my head towards his penis, saying I had to make it up to him. Hell yeah. Right? <laughs> That's called right. Yeah. yeah. Sergeant to make it up to right. me. Sergeant Reed is accused of three charges of discredible conduct, including when with another woman officer. Mm. Charge states that while this officer was sitting in his office, right, addressing that matter, he used his mobile telephone to take, who the fuck says that anymore? He used his cell phone to take a number of photographs of her feet. He did so covertly and without her consent. Mm. He has since disclosed that he did so because... He has a foot fetish. Yeah. Right? Hey. Own it. He has a lot of issues. Yeah. And, you know, Reed is also accused, as I told you, of having oral sex with Officer Dix at the station and during the middle of their affair of having sexual intercourse with another unnamed officer while on duty. Damn, that's a horny department over there, son. The sergeant's last name should have been Dix, right? Instead of the girls. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the problem is that, I mean, you know what? Cops do cops, and then that's uh, we used to call it breaking a limb back in the day. But nothing that I did ever did it swim. Someone is me, but the thing <laughs> being, the thing being is when you're doing it, and I mean it's like I guess it's late at night. You're working a graveyard shift. You're bored, so you're just gonna do each other or whatever. But <laughs> but you might miss that nine one one call, or you might miss something important, and you're not supposed to be doing it on duty. Yeah. All right, can, can I tell you something? Yeah, I had a client for a lot of years. Great great guy. Uh, his name is Alan Dick, and he owned Dick Broadcasting. They actually have still own the stations to this day, stations in Nashville, Knoxville, Greensboro. We've got a couple more markets. He married a woman, I think from Sweden, if I'm correct, who spells her name L-O-T-T-A. Really? So her name became Dick. Lotta Dick. Lotta Dick. He, That's funny. He... Uh, over time, it became Lata. Right, right, so, Lata. <laughs> Lata. You, you really What's have to name? love a guy. Lata you really Dick. have to love a guy. That tells you what a great guy Alan Dick is. Yeah. That that someone with the first name of Lata would marry him and well, become. They needed. Lata they needed his, his life story on the cock. Yes. <laughs> Kiki Crimes Friday. It's a banjo time. Don't criminal. Yeah, we got a little international dumb criminal thing going on here. Jim, get your accent ready. Irene was traveling from Belfast, Ireland. Ooh, I know you got a good one. To see her childhood friend and her young son all the way in Australia. Accent. Me lucky charms. <laughs> you give the lucky charms uh fire. That's right. Leprechaun, leprechaun in response to Ireland and Australia. Okay. Uh, Looking for my pot of gold. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we have to take up this issue with Potato the board. With him. Freaking accent. She and her friend Tabby loved to do ecstasy back in Ooh. their high school days. Ooh. And Irene thought it would be great Swimming. to bring oh, some ex with her on her trip to Sydney. Mm-hmm. Irene had purchased a gift for Tabby's young son and figured... The Mr. Potato Head toy mm. was a great place to hide the X. Right. So she put a small Ziploc pill bag 
in the battery compartment of the plastic spud. There you go. The customs officer in Australia had never seen a Mr. Potato Head and admitted that she examined the box more out of curiosity about the toy than any thought about it concealing drugs. But that's exactly what she found when she took the head of Mr. Potato Head out of the box. Upon grabbing the head, the rear battery compartment opened and the X fell out on the counter in front of her. So unfortunately for Irene, her first trip to Australia resulted in a week-long stay in a Sydney jail and whatever the future uh, issues are resulting from that. And she so, didn't get to roll. She gets some banjos. Banjo. No ecstasy. No ecstasy in the battery compartment. But she, nobody in Australia was named Dick, so she no. has that going for her. What you think, Woody Everton? Any final thoughts? Man, Swim might know something about some ecstasy. Someone who is. <laughs> the, uh, they, I you, want to. I hear that you love everybody when you're on the ecstasy. Is just the love, the love I, I tell drug. You what, just if the love whole world was, If the whole world was on pure MDMA, there would be no fucking killings going on. It'd be a lot of hugs. Maybe a that's a strategy. So that's. I just want to tell everybody I love and appreciate them, and, and maybe thank you right for now. listening. And yeah, it could be. But swim teeth would be grinding. we love and appreciate each and every one of y'all thank you for tuning in liking and listening and sharing please go leave us a review if you're so inclined and that's it yeah and be listening i know the show's kind of sounded clumsy there for a few days while uh while we had woody on the road and we were using the other tech but we are all going to be in the studio for a long time here I think I don't know yep. any plans to travel. Thing or I got a wedding yeah. to go to in December, but yeah. All, All right. right. Well, until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. Nah, I'm Woody Everton, and I'm Mike Agavino for Real Life Real Crime Daily. Peace, Peace. Aglets. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.